Namaste. As part of collected works of Shirobindo, we take up today volume 32. And this volume is a very, very special volume. It occupies a very special place in the entire writings of Shirobindo. And there is a reason for it. If we see Shirobindo's writings, we can categorize them chronologically and also in a certain sense of the importance in three or four distinct stages. The first is before his coming to Pondicherry, which are writings mainly in Bande Matram, Karmi Yogi, Yugantar, which is not available now, and Dharma, the Bengali writings, and some others in Hindu Prakash, etc. And they are mainly concerned with India as Bharat, not India as India. So that is one part where we see the revival and renaissance of India for the good of the world. And there are also in Bangla writings, writings on Vedas, Upanishads, the Gita, which are par excellence. Then comes the second set of writings, which are after coming to Pondicherry, where we see from 1910 to 1920, where we see primarily three writings, which are before 1914, and then the Arya writings, which are largely the main works of Shirobindo and most of the um, readers who are not much familiar with Shirobindo, they usually think of these works when they are um, wanting to read something from Shirobindo. So often I have heard people who are wanting to read Shirobindo and they pick up the Life Divine or the Synthesis of Yoga. Nowadays people are also picking up Savitri, but that's a different genre entirely. So these are the second set of writings. Then between 1921 to 1926, there is no writing as such, but there is a whole group of evening talks, which uh, form a collection in itself, but they are not writing, so we leave them aside. And then from 1926, something happens in 1926, which we are all aware of. On 24th November 1926, it marks a day for three main events, though we speak only of one, and that is the descent of Sri Krishna in the physical of Shirobindo. So this is much spoken of as Siddhi Day uh, because naturally the mother spoke of it like that and the mother only passingly refers to the other events which are connected with it because she is the mother and she likes to be in the background. So the event that were connected with it were that there was a Devasrishti which had descended. All the gods were wanting to take a human form or come in close contact with human beings uh, like an overmind creation and Shurabindu did not want it because though it will create a great religion the greatest of all world religions so far but it will remain within the confines of the world world religions it will not be able to bring in a greater force from the future and Shurabindu did not want it his purpose was to bring something from the unmanifest transcendent and this is important to understand because then we understand the significance of this book. Something which has never manifested yet. So that was completely new to Shirobindo. Whereas all the yogas were rotating within the world consciousness. The height of whatever within the realm of the world consciousness one could achieve. Cosmic consciousness. So, But Shirobindo was not satisfied with it. He wanted something greater. And therefore when mother created this Devasrishti which was yet within the realm of the cosmic consciousness of the gods, creation of the gods, wonderful beings, but yet they are not completely freed from uh, any kind of limitation. There is in the great gods a tendency to 
join their absolute infinite. But otherwise they move within their own circle. So Shobindo did not want it and the mother erased it. So this was the second event which took place. And the third event which is of uh, the, the most important turning point in, in Shobindo's yoga is the mother stepping into the forefront. So we know that Shurbindo, when he was asked about uh, the yoga, he said, before the mother's coming, I could help myself, but I could not help others. Because this yoga required tremendous tapasya. And Shurbindo is the pioneer, the forerunner, he could do that tapasya. But how many are ready and able to do that tapasya? So the coming of the mother was meant to be the mediating bridge between that tapasya which was an effort to bring the transcendent unmanifest and the average human being who even even not only average even the great yogis could never pierce beyond the veil of the cosmic consciousness if at all they wanted to pierce it was to plunge into the unknowable but with the coming of the mother it became possible to bridge that which Shurvinda was wanting to bring down upon earth, something that had never manifested, the new creation, the supramental world and the human race. So, when the mother agreed, now what happened between them, we don't know. But at some point, the mother accepted the burden and the charge out of divine love. And uh, we know that story where Amrita asked Shurvinda that she is a great yogi and Shurvinda said, yes, indeed a very great yogi. But she doesn't give meditation. And Shurabindu said, yes, but one day impelled by the divine love, she will take up this work and that will be a great day. So Shurabindu had recognized the mother much before the Siddhi day. We know that story. There is a letter in this book also confirming it. But mother had to agree because she was born free. At some point she agreed. And that point from 24th November 1926 marks the turning point in the history of integral yoga. Because from that time onwards, anybody who approached Shravindu had to come through the mother. Which led to certain what we may call human language heartburns. Because we know Motilal Roy could not uh, understand this. He had a close access. He even thought that perhaps maybe I am the next one to whom the Gaddi will go. And maybe some others, Barinda, his own brother. But he made a rule that everybody will come through the mother because this is the original arrangement. It is a divine truth that there is the divine who is in his Sakshi Bhav, Ishwara, and there is the Shakti which goes into the world and does all that she has to do. So there had to be the same arrangement was once again installed in the ashram. So when that happened, all that was written from 1914 to 20. It remains valid, but it took a slightly different turn, but the different turn changed the entire approach. And that turn was first typified or, or revealed by Shurabindo in the message which came on 21st February 1928, 27th. So, 24th November 1926 became the official day, if one wants to call it, of the birth of the ashram. Of course, it was not like, okay, we are starting a Shurabindu Ashram, but, but it came, became organically so. And therefore, when, because mother was given the charge of the Ashram, Darshan days started after that. 
and the first darshan day that fell after 24th November was on 21st February 1927 and the message of Shurabindo on that day becomes the first chapter of the book The Mother. So now The Mother consists of one small book, this big book, small book, which is like the Bij Mantra. If at all one wants to know all about Shurabindo's yoga and the sadhana, how to do it, it is this one book. It is like a handbook to be carried, read, practiced and implemented in life. It's a lifetime sadhana and I um, not just believe, I, I mean I can say that I know that even practicing one passage of it gives tremendous results. So this, but how this book was born, this is one of the books which is contained in Collected Works of Sri Volume 32. Is There are this little book has six chapters. The book contains many other chapters aspects but first about this book the first part of the book is this little book the mother and first chapter was as a message that became the first chapter of this book this was the message given on 21st February 1927 then this message was uh, received by people and this message was primarily if we go back to it there was a disciple in Gujarat Motilal Mehta. So he had started asking some questions on the mother. And Shobindo was replying to him. So in, in all likelihood, it's not written exactly like that. But this message was given that, okay, comprehensively I am giving you something. As the most important fundamental rule or way of the yoga here. And then there was another disciple, Punam Chand Shah, also from Gujarat. And God bless them. I mean, they are blessed and thanks to them. We had chapter 2, 3, 4, which was uh, written in response to their queries in chapter 5. So he asked questions and in response, Shobindo wrote letters to them. And they got incorporated in the book. And then finally, chapter 6 has an independent origin. Shobindo intended to write about the four aspects and why he intended after 1926? Very simply because when we look at Sri evening talks and a disciple asks one of the last conversations, I think 1926, this conversation is either November, October or around that period. That what is the, uh, not the criteria, but what is the uh, basic method before one can talk about the supramental world coming down? And Shurabindu says, the plane of the gods must be established. And he is asked, what is the plane of the gods? So he, he says, uh, it's not something he wanted to reveal at that point of time. The four original gods, whom we know as Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh and Krishna. And they come from four aspects of the divine as Satchidananda. Sat or infinite existence is Brahma in its origin. But in our mind, he becomes Brahma as the instrument of creation. Vishnu, consciousness. Mahavishnu. But in the our mind, he becomes Vishnu. And then we have Shiva. In his original aspect, Param Shiva as the force becomes Shiva on the our mind plane. And Krishna, originally as the Anandamaya. And here he becomes Krishna, the avatar of the uh, Dwapar. So we have these four great gods and 
they are well known in indian pantheon in different traditions and shubhendu spoke about the four great goddesses which basically we can see around similar lines so these four great goddesses have taken the charge of preparing humanity up till this point where do they take us they take us to the gates of the supermind and when all four of them have worked out individually their perfection in us then it is ready to be supramentalized the human consciousness becomes ready to be supramentalized otherwise it's very difficult for the supermind to act i mean it can act but it will smash nobody is ready so shubhendu had written this letter immediately all these were written in 1927 so in 1928 all the six letters came out as a single book the mother and this book is i think 62 or 64 pages around that pages yes 64 pages and it's a wonderful book to be always carried if one has to carry one book so yes of course savitri prayers and meditation otherwise this is the book to be carried then there is another part of the book apart from this six chapters okay so there is part 2 of the book this was part 1 which is the book the mother available as a separate volume but here in collected works of shirbindo it is available comprehensively with letters on the mother so letters on the mother is a number of letters which were written again after 1926 because people asked who is the mother suddenly the yoga had taken a very different turn and people started asking who is the mother why she is here and how can we relate with her because if you see 1914 to 1920 arya writings shirbindo speaks of the divine shakti now divine shakti we are familiar with so everybody thought okay divine shakti means inwardly you have to invoke the divine shakti but divine shakti is not a plaything i mean if we are not ready we can be shattered to pieces even great yogins greatest of yogins have found it difficult and therefore when the mother came into existence the book the mother and shubhendu said that she is the individual avatar who holds within herself the universal not only the world uh, mother but the transcendent the supreme mother all in one so she is the purna avatar if you may use so the mother herself says that complete full incarnation of the divine shakti that's what she is so she as an individual taking a bodily form held within herself the vaster two greater and vaster aspects of her own existence so she is the avatar of the supreme mother and therefore through her we could connect why it became easier because first the divine assuming a physical body it becomes easier for sense bound human beings to interact otherwise divine shakti as the mother says people talk about divine shakti but most of the time they end up with some vital shakti which they pull and they have a breakdown so it she became the gate the bridge at the same time by assuming a human body it became a chance for the human body and through the body for the earth consciousness to be divinized because she could do it so the importance of the mother and therefore people asked all kinds of questions which includes who is the mother purpose of her embodiment events in her life the three aspects the universal transcendent and the individual then the mother the divine and the lower nature because there is a common conception that all is the divine so similarly with the mother they said everything is mother 
including nature. So whatever I feel impelled is ultimately the mother. And Shubhendu had to say, it is true that the mother is the original impelling power. But for yoga, we have to make a distinction between the lower prakriti and the para prakriti. The divine mother stands for the para prakriti. The movement in knowledge and not movement in ignorance. So he had to qualify all that. People ask Shurvindo that what is uh, is the realization that the mother brings? Is it uh, lesser, equal or greater than Nirvikalp Samadhi? And Shurvindo answered that it is greater than Nirvikalp Samadhi because in Nirvikalp Samadhi there is no new creation. It is at some point you snap with the earth and enter into the transcendent. But here the Divine Mother is bringing the transcendent upon earth. So it's much greater. So people ask this question. They even ask questions like, well, um, the Mother is inside, so I can uh, find her inside. Why the outer Mother? And Shubhendu says that this habit of drawing distinction between the inner Mother and the outer is the result of an adverse Asuric Maya, which tries to create a distinction. It's like those, no, no, Ram, that physical Ram is different. But it is one of the names of inner Ram. But see how Kabir explained that all four are different parts of one reality. Ek Ram Dasrat ka beta, ek Ram hai Jagat Pasara, ek Ram Ghat Ghat ka vasi, ek Ram hai Sabse Nyara. All four are one single reality. So this is what he emphasizes. And then all the different forms of worship we have had of the Divine Mother as Durga, Kali, Maheshwari, Lakshmi, Mahalakshmi and uh, Radha and all these. Then there is section 2 where the mother, Shirobindu and the integral yoga. What is their place and their role? And here a lot of people have a difficulty. And this difficulty has got reflected even in this volume. And I will explain how. So Shirobindu repeatedly says the mother and Shirobindu are one. And but for yogic purposes you have to approach to the mother. He, this is the rule he himself made and he gives reasons for it. But there were people who found it very difficult to accept the mother for some reason. Maybe the long stamp of Vedanta, ultimately Purusha. So Shakti is always subordinate. And in, But now it is a time-changing moment and the Shakti is in the forefront and people found it very difficult. So people continued to have doubts about the mother. There are letters where Shobindo has said that if you cannot have faith in the mother, it is better for you to go away to that extent because this was so important for the yoga. And yet in this very volume, that is a paradox, at the end there are notes, editors give notes. Now these notes are meant to just say that, well, when were these letters written? For example, bulk of letters are 31 to 37. These notes are not supposed to be guides. They are just meant to give us the context, historical context of the letters. But in this note, we find a letter which has been put by the editors that Shobindo spoke about his letters in general, which is not at all in the context of the mother, but in context of another letter, which I am aware of, which I have mentioned in, that what I write to X does not apply to Y. So therefore, one should not just keep applying a equal to B, which is okay as a general principle. But when you write it in the mother, followed by a small passing note. And that passing note is that therefore, all that he has written, there is a certain context to it. 
Now, when you write in a volume which is so important as the mother, which is the fundamental, if one has to pick up one volume, it is this. It makes it appear as if it is not so important. It is like any other volume of letters on yoga. But it is not like any other volume of letters on yoga because the mother holds a central place in the yoga. In fact, Sharvindo went on to say, and that letter is also here, when Niruddha asked him, what is the central secret of this sadhana? And he says, psychic opening to the mother. This is the central secret. So all other things have to be done, whether we do, but naturally not everything can be done, personal effort demanded is not easy, but this one has to hold on to as the saving grace. So this is how, then we have certain letters about their own yoga and uh, how it has developed. And section 3 is the mother and the practice of the integral yoga, her place in the integral yoga, which is wonderful series of letters put together, her help in difficulties. And section 4 is the mother in the life of the ashram. And finally, we have, for instance, there were aspects of the ashram life where mother was physically involved, many, almost every aspect. So, balcony darshan, pranam, soup, so many people took them as ceremonies. And they asked Shurabindo, is it really necessary to come for pranam? I can do pranam inside. I am not feeling like coming for pranam. Is it not something mechanical? Should I do it? Should I not do it? All these letters clarify that. The value of darshan, darshan days. And then in section 5, there are commentaries, some commentaries or comments of Sri on the three works of the mother. One is prayers and meditation, which contains 24 letters, 24 prayers, which are partly or fully translated by Sri in English, because the original prayers are in French. And then on conversations with the mother, on some conversations, he has given comment. And part three is translation, okay, prayers of the mother. And then finally, it closes with a wonderful prayer, Radha's prayer. Now, Radha's prayer has a very interesting history. It went through modification. It was originally about a dance which uh, Sahanadi was to perform. And she was she didn't know how to perform the dance. She was hesit- She was faltering. And she said, why am I not able to do this dance? Whereas the dawn dance, which also she was practicing, said, this is easy. But I am not able to do this dance. She said, because you, you have to uh, put in yourself in the state, bhava in which Radha is. So then she writes in English, the mother writes in English, what is the state of Radha, when she does this dance, Shobindo translates it into French and then back into English. So this is the birth of what we call today as the Radha's prayer. So we'll just, we'll do it in two parts. Today we'll read just some passages from part one, which is this small book, The Mother. So just the first sentence of the first letter which is chapter 1 if we want to call it, which gives the crux of the whole thing. There are two powers that alone, see often with Sri writings, one letter is so heavyweight that it gives the real sense of the whole thing. 
Now imagine this sentence, Shavindu writing, there are two powers that can affect in their conjunction. But when he writes, there are two powers that alone, they are sufficient within themselves. And what are these two powers that alone can affect in their conjunction? The great and difficult thing which is the aim of our endeavor. A fixed and unfailing aspiration that calls from below and a supreme grace from above that answers. Call and the grace. Everything hangs in between. And there is a letter of, uh, series of letters of Sri to Niruddha. He says, really? That's it? He says, yes. All that you need to know is that there is a soul within and a grace above. He said, is it that simple? He said, yes. He said, you are talking as if it's a baby cat attitude. He said, yes. But how can it be? And Sri says, you must be wiser than Sri Ramakrishna and myself in that case. So, there is a whole emphasis is on that yes, we have to call. Then the grace becomes effective. The patra is ready. Because the Divine Mother is there, she will do what she has to do. But if we do not welcome, as repeatedly Shurabindu says, what is meant by really calling? Calling is not that inside I am doing some call. When we are calling somebody, what do we do? We are inviting. Imagine that we give a letter to Shurabindu and the mother. Please come tomorrow for lunch. And he says, yes. And what if he invite tomorrow and he says, I will come tonight for dinner. Now imagine what should be the state of the house and the state of the people. That's all he is asking us to do. We are calling Shivindra and the mother to inhabit this temple. They are there. They are there. In many ways they are there. But this is what is called as keeping the temple clean. So when I call them, who will be our guest list? Will I call some local big politician? This is important to emphasize. Who will say, I want the VIP seat? Will we ever do that when we are calling the mother? He can come. Anybody can come. It is Shivji ki Bharat. <laughs> they can sit on the floor in front of the Divine Mother and Shri Isn't it? It's very simple. People often when they read this first chapter, they say, Oh my God, there is nothing. It's very simple. We have to just apply the same rule. If I am calling Shurabindo and if Shurabindo and the mother are in my house, how will I be? How will I behave? How will I keep that place? How will I do? What will be my thoughts, feelings? Because they can see everything. <laughs> they are not going to, okay, you can think whatever you want to think. What kind of guest I will invite? Will I fill that atmosphere with smoke and drinks? Will I just call all kinds of people who are full of their vanity? Will I show them, there are people who come and say, uh, I am this, I am that. Imagine, will we call such braggarts or become such a braggart ourselves? Mother, you know how much I have worked for you as if she doesn't know. We will be in a state of humility, of surrender. What will we ask her? Will we ask them, give me this, give me that? Or we will say, can you always stay here? Which is the most logical thing. I mean, this is what yoga is about. But if we read it, not with the heart, with the mind, then we start analyzing. So people analyzed one of the sentences, but the supreme grace will act only in the conditions of the light and the truth. 
it will not act in conditions laid upon it by the falsehood and the ignorance for if it were to yield to the demands of the falsehood it would defeat its own purpose and then shrivindra gives the conditions now people when they read it oh conditions apply <laughs> so they get very frightened but look at it this way what really are the conditions mother was asked this fortunately we have commentaries on this six letters in conversations of the mother 1951 and 1954 all the six chapters people ask some question she says what does condition mean condition mean that if i say i will continue to drink smoke enjoy the life of the senses i'll continue to steal and everything but still you fulfill all that i ask isn't it foolish i mean it doesn't require <laughs> so we have to keep on doing our little effort taking the mother's help we must at least want to get rid of the falsehood he is not saying that entire falsehood must go away before she can come he says but these are the conditions we have to create within ourselves and this takes time so why because it takes time because it's a long process so then what should be what what is it that has to be done what is the effort of this yoga that becomes the chapter of the the uh, content of chapter 2 all those who want to know what is the path of shorbindo's yoga one single place how many pages just two and a half pages three pages of this bhukti mother everything not one word extra needs to be known and several places shorbindo says sadhana of this yoga is a basically a psychological effort and it's a triple effort several places shorbindo said the effort required for this yoga is not tan ke sitting for meditation okay one can do it if that is going to help us in this process but it is a triple labor of aspiration rejection surrender now rejection is another thing people find very difficult but rejection is an inner renunciation of certain states of consciousness attitudes because if we don't renounce we will how will we create space now this is not ex- accepted that expected that we'll do it in one go but we have to start somewhere and therefore this list for example which he gives is very interesting what is it that we have to reject so people think it's only some outward activity like we have to become vegetarians if you become vegetarian god will be very happy if i stop smoking and drinking of course we have to do those things but what we have to reject is rejection of the movements of the lower nature which means rejection of the mind's ideas opinions preferences habits constructions so that the true knowledge may find free room in a silent mind otherwise when shurvindo comes we will make him sit on a table and start a discussion and debate wanting to draw him into some heated argument see that is the difference we see when mother came she came with her husband her husband used to constantly have this discussion with shurbindo no no this world is made by desire and shurbindo would say it is delight what happened to him we all know he finally went away for good and he had a chapter of his life that's a different story and later on he relented he said the divine was there right there but my own ego and arrogance could not make me did not allow me to surrender look at the other contrast the mother also came she sat at the feet 
He said, okay, what you say is true and right. That's what I must do. So she, she removed all the constructions and she had already realized so much. And when she removed, there was a free room for the still greater, still vaster, the supramental wisdom to manifest. Rejection of vital nature's desires. Again, it's not so important, it, very relative important, whether we are vegetarian or non-vegetarian. What is important is the desire, the craving, attachment. I want only this kind of food. The people who become so fetish for organic, they almost uh, become intolerant of anything other than that. That is what is bad. There should not be a craving. I want this particular kind of food. And not only with food, with everything. Desires, demands. If you give me this, therefore I will believe you are there. Cravings. When Sahanadi asked you know what, Lord, I am having craving for lobsters, fishes, all this. What does Shurabindu write? He doesn't write, no, no, you should eat only vegetarian food. She says, I want to eat. I have a desire for eating these things. Shurabindu's reply is, eat your desire. Just imagine. This is the profound spiritual statement coming from a height. He's not saying, no, 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 you should switch to vegetarian or organic food. These are not good. He says, eat your desire, remove it from the root. Sensations, passions, selfishness, pride, arrogance, lust, greed, jealousy, envy, hostility to the truth. This, the mother and Shurabindu has said, is the most dangerous of all. So that the true power and joy may pour from above into a calm, large, strong and consecrated vital being. The sign that rejection is taking place correctly is in the vital Vital conversion means pride, arrogance, seeking not only approval but flattery, feeling happy at praise, all this will go away. In fact, it will look very ugly because you know it is meaningless. Rejection of the physical nature, stupidity, doubt, disbelief, obscurity, obstinacy, pettiness, laziness. So in the physical also we have to do some effort. It is to get rid of laziness. If you want to do something, we must do it. And regardless, that is the best way to open the body to the divine forces. And it goes on and finally surrender. And he says, this is something which grows. So in proportion as it grows, so will the yoga grow. And out of the three, he even says, what is the most important of these three? He says, surrender. The only thing he says, it should not be a tamasic surrender. Tamasic surrender means I have surrendered myself to mother. I have to do nothing now. She will do everything. Obviously, that means that my nature will never be ready. Or it will take eons. She will make it ready. Shobindu says that also in one of the letters. But it will take a long time because then she has to work upon a nature which is completely unwilling. Then chapter 3, one of uh, not only my favorite, I think many people's favorite <laughs> because... Any fear, any time, whether it's Corona or Super Corona, just this chapter. And in this chapter, he speaks about to walk through life armored against all fear, peril and disaster. He is telling us the permanent cure of all fear, peril and disaster. What should we do? Which vaccine should we take? 
So he's asking us to be vaccinated against all fear, peril and disaster by the mother's name. So he says what is needed? Only two things are needed. Two that go always together. The grace of the Divine Mother and on your side. Again, something is required on our side. Why? Because we have to be prepared to receive the grace. On your side, an inner state made up of faith, sincerity and surrender. So what if I don't have faith? Will the grace not come? No, it will come. But then first it has to tackle our doubt. Shivinda was asked that, does it, does it mean that the medicine we gave, Dravya, has no meaning? He says, no, it has its meaning. It is Dravya Guna. But if you use a wrong medicine, then the grace is to first uh, negate its action, then act upon us. So if we are in that inner state of faith, well, the action of the grace can achieve the impossible. But if we are in a state of doubt, grace will not abandon us, but it has to first remove that tendency. So, mother was asked that, does the grace reject the sinner? She says, no. There will be no hope for anyone. Grace doesn't see like that. She says, then what does it do when it's supposing there is a thief? She says, but obviously when the grace comes, it does not encourage that tendency. It will remove from him either through outer experiences or inner change or through a little bit of both the urge to steal. That's how the grace operates. So in this chapter, the more complete your faith, sincerity and surrender, these are the conditions, the more will grace and protection be with you. And when the grace and protection of the Divine Mother are with you, what is there that can touch you or whom need you fear? A little of it even will carry you through all difficulties, obstacles and dangers. Surrounded by its full presence. Shivinda is not saying for this to come you have to. Even little is enough. But if you have the full presence, you can go securely on your way because it is hers. Careless of all menace, unaffected by any hostility, however powerful, whether from this world or from worlds invisible. So all this talk about hostile forces, adverse forces, we must understand has a limited place. But the important thing is the mother's name. Faith, sincerity and surrender. If this is there, no hostile adverse force can touch us, let alone harm us. And he closes so beautifully, its touch can turn difficulties into opportunities. Failure into success and weakness into unfaltering strength. For the grace of the Divine Mother is the sanction of the Supreme. And now or tomorrow, its effect is sure, a thing decreed, a reverse ir- inevitable and irresistible. Only we have to allow time because now or tomorrow. But its effect is bound to take place. Chapter 4, again as I said, written to Punam Chan, so relevant and so refreshingly unique in today's age when money is the Lord. What is Shubhindu's attitude towards money? Neither an ascetic rejection and shrinking from it nor an indulgent attitude. But like everything else, money is a power which should be at the service of the divine. And when we speak about money, we think of currency. But now we all know it's not currency. Currency is a symbol. Tomorrow you won't have paper notes, but only digital. So what does it mean? It means that there is something which we have given to the world in in lieu of which, from the world, certain 
kind of force has been allowed to us. What is the purpose of this force? I can purchase material things. That's all. It doesn't matter whether we call it rupee, dollar or any other thing. Based on our efforts, certain amount of wealth has come. And this wealth can take any form. Now this wealth I can use for my ego, satisfactions for the selfish expansion. Or I can use this wealth at the divine service. So the sadhak has to use it for the divine service. Punam Chand was given one of the tasks of asking money. He used to ask money for you know, the work here. And he used to feel, how can I ask money? So Shubhinda gives him the right attitude. That when you are asking for money, what is it that you are asking? You are giving an opportunity for the other person to participate in the divine yajna. Not everybody can do sadhana, yoga. Not everybody can practice all these things. There are people who have wealth. Even if they give something of that wealth, they become part of the yajna. So it is actually for their benefit. Shubhinda was not that it will depend upon them. Neither the attitude of, oh sir, please can you part, nor the attitude of the arrogant person. But simply you are giving him an opportunity. If he gives, it is good for him. And if he doesn't give, well, divine has his own ways and means. So this is about the money force. He speaks of money, how it has been under the influence of the sadhaka. In India, this tendency to shun money has not been very good. It is the stamp of ascetic tendency. And we think somebody having money is not uh, a sadhak or a yogi. Indulging with money, attachment to money, greed for money, ambition for money, that is not good. But money will come, use it rightly, wisely, divinely. Fifth chapter is an entire fundamental basis of karma yoga. But not just the ordinary karma yoga, but the supramental karma yoga. So if one wants to understand what karma yoga is and because Shurabindu's yoga is a karma pradhan yoga. Everything else you can avoid in this yoga but not karma. Shurabindu and the mother have insisted on service. So what should be the attitude of the doer of the divine work? And he starts from this. If you want to be a true doer of divine works, your first aim must be to be totally free from all desire and self-regarding ego. So divine work cannot be done if we think I am doing divine work. Self-regarding ego. Or I am important for the work. If I am not there, the work will suffer. All these thoughts are contrary to divine work. Or if I am doing the work with the idea of gaining respect or a position, all these are play of the ego. Starting point itself is very high. So we see these two things even in the Gita. But then Shubhindu, after starting from here, here it's a starting point. It goes on and until he says that the condition should be that one is entirely and freely moved by the Divine Mother without anything obstructing or creating an obstacle in a working. To become a pure and perfect channel of the Divine Mother. This is not in the Gita. The Gita is you are still acting through the three gunas but you are inwardly free and the divine takes care of your soul, your being. But here one has to become a channel of the divine mother and a shakti, her light, her peace, her power, her ananda to pour upon the world. 
And finally comes, as I said, this an independent letter, not a letter actually. It is was written as a separate booklet to come, but was integrated with the other five letters. The first is a message, the four letters, so total five chapters, and therefore the book, The Mother, was completed. And this is about the four powers of the Divine Mother and who the Mother is. Now here there is the ultimate revelation. It's like the spiritual biography of the Divine Mother. Who is she? She is the transcendent Supreme Mahashakti. Om Anandamayi Chaitanyamayi Satyamayi Parame. She has become the, she is also the Jagan Mata, the Vishwamata, the World Mother. But holding both these aspects, she has also become the individual mother who is seated in the heart of all creatures. And she has taken a human form as the avatar to help humanity connect with these two vaster ways of our existence. And therefore he cautions us, do not try to judge her by your limited mind. Because she is beyond even the gods. So Isha Upanishad says this about the Supreme, that the gods cannot catch him. Because he is always in front faster than the gods. So, if it is true of the Supreme, we can imagine the dynamic Divine Mother. She is creating all things and we cannot see. She is doing an action hundreds of years in advance. Therefore, I may not be able to understand what is happening to me today or in the world. But, much later the result is understood. Imagine when the Britishers came to India Now people must have felt so disheartened that they were weakening and they were weakened. Oh, Shivaji almost conquered. Guru Gobind Singh almost conquered and now the Britishers have come. But imagine if India would have lived with the chap of the Mughals. With all whatever goodness there may or may not be, it is very retrogressive. At least the British brought in something which was going to be more connected with the modern way of looking at life, scientific way of looking at life. Otherwise we would have continued to believe that the earth is flat and it does not rotate. (laughs) So at least they brought in this kind. And then when their task was done, when they started overdoing what they were meant to do in the secret providence of thing, when the Indian heart and mind finally revolted, was ready for the revolt to overthrow, when it was ready to wake up from the tamas, then we see that Swami Vivekananda, Shurabindo, and then they wake up this sleeping lion and then, or lions, and then we see that India gains freedom. So this is how we have to see and when did this happen? She has seen 200 years, 500 years in advance. So similarly, for example, in one of her conversations, she says, uh, still Indians are not responding. She says, that would mean another domination. It is there in one of her conversations. Then she says, Chinese should never come. It is very dangerous. And she sees that they are planning to come. Then she says, America or Russians. Then she says, if Russians come, they will gain nothing much because they are already mystics at heart. If Americans come, they will benefit from India and India will benefit from them. But it will too much of humiliation for 200 years. 
And she says, no, this must not happen. So you see, the divine is not seeing like us. Can we ever imagine 200 years, we'll say, I am going to die, I don't even know how my children are going to do things. So therefore, Sri cautions us, after revealing all about the Mahashakti, all the planes, and of course this is a marvel of a book, this we will do separately, four aspects of the Divine Mother. She says, Shobindo reveals to us how we should open to her. Yes. It's the longest chapter. As I said, this was written primarily as a book. First he says, if you desire this transformation, put yourself in the hands of the mother. That's it. And her powers without cavil or resistance. And let her do unhindered her work within you. That's the secret of transformation. Three things you must have. Consciousness. If we remain unconscious. Ah, mother is doing something, but I don't develop the consciousness to at least glimpse something of her workings. Plasticity. We should not fix. This is how she must work. If she is not working this way, we start saying, where is mother? On the contrary, we should say, I don't understand you, Ma. But I trust you. So consciousness, plasticity and surrender. They all go together. But be on your guard. Next passage. But be on your guard and do not try to understand and just the Divine Mother by your little earthly mind that loves to subject even the things that are beyond it to its own norms and standards. It's narrow reasonings. Our narrow reasoning is 1 plus 1 equals to 2. And the Divine Mother's reasoning is 1 plus 1 equals to 1. So that one of us, that is little one, the ego one is lost. But we want 1 plus 1 equal to 2. My ego plus the Divine. But see... Divine logic. So you'll say, okay, 1 plus 1 plus 1. That also will be 1. You multiply any number. <laughs> so, that divine, divine logic. It doesn't act according to human reasonings. So he says, our crude surface notions of omniscience and omnipotence. I call the mother, she should have cured me immediately. Or cured X, Y, Z. Some people turn the divine into a wish-fulfilling machine. And I think today itself somebody was circulating on WhatsApp. Something very nice and so appropriate. That you know if we keep asking the divine um, that you know you must uh, help me in my business. My business should flourish. My child should get admission in so and so. The sick in my family should be relieved. She says this is foolish to imagine. People ask this question that... Uh, because somebody is good, then therefore everything good must happen to that person. And the mother says, in a world of ignorance, this is impossible. That way, nothing even should be needed to ask. This, the fact is that this world is a world of ignorance. And it has to be transformed into a world of wisdom and love. And the mother is working towards that. But she needs our collaboration. It is not magic that happens. Or magic that happens in some people's life have gone through the steps of the process. For our mind clamors to be impressed at every turn by miraculous power. 
and easy success and dazzling splendor otherwise it cannot believe that here is the divine so this idea crude vulgar surface notions of the divine divine is like the genie in the bottle this we should not have he is not only omnipotent she is also omniscient and above all she is love so she knows what is good for us what is needed for us all who have walked the path understand this much later <laughs> during that time when one is going through and she is working to remove many things they don't understand but once they cross a certain critical barrier of the ego if i may say so they look back and say yeah she was carrying me i didn't know so he is asking us to be patient and this is a long work a difficult work yet it is a work which is decreed so with this last passage we will stop the supramental change is a thing decreed and inevitable in the evolution of the earth consciousness is very clear it's logical evolution cannot stop with man if divine is in matter ultimately matter will uh, release the divine along with him like krishna story of the two uh, trees changing into gods this matter will be divinized for its upward ascent is not ended and mind is not its last summit if mind had created world then yes mind is the summit but divine has created this world and right now it is going through the transition phase but that the change may arrive take form and endure there is needed once again he brings us back to the original truth there is needed the call from below with a will to recognize and not deny the light when it comes and there is needed the sanction of the supreme from above so again after the entire reading we come back to call and the grace because it's the grace that gets the sanction uh, our efforts cannot get the sanction but grace adds it's okay i know this man is trying he's trying he's sincere so the sanction comes from above the power that mediates between the sanction and the call is the presence and power of the divine mother and finally does it this last sentence does it sound like a relative contextual reading which may apply to some and may not apply to others as we see at the end of the book in editor's note see what shurvindo writes look at the power the majesty this entire book is full of a uh, tremendous power but look at this last sentence does it ever sound contextual for some people it will apply for others it won't apply look at this the mother's power and not any human endivarant tapasya he is qualifying it and not any human endivarant tapasya can alone rend the lid again look at the word initially also is used the word alone can alone means there is no other way can alone rend the lid and tear the covering and shape the vessel all these for she will rend the lid of ignorance tear the covering which conceals the divine and then this human vessel she will shape the vessel and bring down into this world of obscurity and falsehood and death and suffering truth and light and life divine and the immortals ananda this entire book has been read by the mother and it is available there is a record available 
All the six chapters have been read by the mother and it's amazing. So, if one has to pick up one book and read, this small book. People say Shravinda has written big things, philosophical things. And this book is both at once metaphysics and the yoga practice. The Mother. Namaste.